Hey guys, um, if you're listening to this, um, this is my uh, first first episode of my podcast. Um, so I just wanted to say two things real quick. Well, three things. First, uh, thanks for listening. Um, secondly, this is our first trial um, using uh, this app called the Anchor app to record the podcast. So there are some points in the episode where the sound kind of gets garbled out or you can't really hear us. And I'm going to try and edit those out. But if there are any left that I couldn't take out for the sake of continuity, that's why. And I apologize. Um, Thirdly, um, a little game for anybody who's listening. Whoever can count how many times I say woman, women, strong female character or I interrupt Rachel while she's saying something about women, if you can tally all those together for me, um, the grand prize is I won't record another episode of the podcast, and I'll stop bothering people about it. Anyway, I hope you enjoy, and um, yeah. Hey. Hey. Sorry, I was getting a call, and I've been trying to get in touch with my bank all day, and I thought it was them, and it wasn't. It was some something else. But oh, I figured. That's cool. So, I'm um, the reason why we are talking so familiarly, so familiarly. Um, with each other is because this is like the second time we've started today but I'm going to introduce this like this is the first time we've done this hey guys I'm Mason and this is Rachel hello and we're doing a podcast um basically um it's a pop culture podcast as many of you would you know would figure um Rachel and I are going to talk about some cool stuff today which would be like you know I really think you should do the introductions, Rachel. We're going to talk about Star Wars, and then we're going to talk about Marvel movies, okay? So you can listen to it if you want. I don't really care. I'm so sick and tired of having to be nice and pretend that I give a shit about introducing myself all the time. Okay. Do you want me to go ahead and do an introduction? Yeah, you just take it from the top, Rachel. Okay. All right. (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't like doing them either. But you're nicer. Just... I am nicer than you. That's true. Okay. okay. Um, all right. Well, welcome, guys. Today on our podcast, we're going to start out by talking a little bit about the Han Solo trailer that dropped last night and how terrible it is. Um, then we're going to talk about kind of our favorite Star Wars characters. Um, who's better and why? You know, is it Kylo Ren or Obi-Wan? And then we'll wrap it up by talking a little bit about some of the Marvel movies, specifically Wonder Woman and Black Panther. All right. Well, I'm Rachel, and this is Mason, and let's get started. Oh. What? That was just really good. You made me, feel, you made me look bad. I, I did not make you look bad. Yes, you did. You just introduced it better, and it was my idea to do this. Now I just sound like a huge asshole. Um, okay. Well, 
you know, what do you want to play the trailer? And then we'll just move on. All right, here we go. You're after something. Is it revenge? Money? Or is it something else? You look good. A little rough around the edges, but good. Heard about a job. Big shot gangster putting together crew. I'm a driver, and I'm a flyer. I waited a long time for a shot like this. What do you think? Well, what do you know? You got a line on a ship? Yeah, I know a guy. He's the best smuggler around. I heard a story about you. I was wondering if it's true. Everything you've heard about me is true. Whoa! <laughs> L3! Let's go with a mean man's face. Who are these guys? If you come with us, you're in this life for good. You might wanna buckle up, baby. some advice. I assume everyone will betray you, and you will never be disappointed. I got a really good feeling about this. Since when do you know how to fly? 190 years old? You look great. Push it! Okay. okay, so we're going to be fair. We're going to talk about things that we like in yes. the trailer before we talk about things we didn't like. Now, I'm going to go first because the stuff I like is very brief, you know. Um, first of all, it's John Williams. I'm going to say I do like the score. I feel like it has a very rock music feel to it. Did you get that idea? Um, the opening strings and all that. And of course, it's John Williams. I just like the action, fast pace. Um, and honestly, when it comes to trailers, I'm always a huge sucker for when they do that quick montage of the action while the music is swelling. Yeah. So I like the music. Um, and, you know, let's see, what else did I like? Um, okay, I was going to let Rachel say it, but I will just go ahead and start. Everything you've heard about me is true say that I really like Donald Glover, which is like just really obvious, you know, but when I say I like Donald Glover as Lando, that leads to me complaining about what I don't like about the movie and why I would rather a Lando spinoff movie and why. So I don't want to talk about Lando in a positive light because that's just me complaining about the movie again. Um, but, you know, what I will say what I really like about the trailer I like Fandy Newton, even though she hasn't said anything. Um, do you know, like, have you, do you watch Black Exploitation? Have you seen, like, Black Exploitation movies, Rachel? Well, I haven't either. Have you seen, like, Black Dynamite? You got to see where I'm coming 
from you, job, motherfucker. Or that Quentin Tarantino movie that was um Jackie Brown. Oh no. You well, no. Black exploitation movies are like movies that came out in the seventies that were just like about black people kicking butt and stuff, and they always had huge afros and they looked like badasses. And most of the time, it was black women who were the main characters. Pam Greer, who played Jackie Brown, you know, in in a Quentin Tarantino movie, is a good example of that. You know, so the whole idea of you have being Fanny Newton there, looking like she can kick your tail and having that big afro, I feel like is kind of a throwback to um you know black exploitation movies which i also really appreciate because star wars came out in the 70s and these were prevalent in the 70s so that's just another connection that i like um well i won't really say this about all of the movie i am a huge sucker for like original trilogy um cinematography which is something that i really liked about rogue one now honestly i feel like rogue one pulled it off much better you know, but the scene where Han and Lando are in that bar together, I feel like that might be the best cantina scene we're going to get. And the reason, <laughs> no, no, listen, no, no, listen, the reason why I say that is because in every cantina scene in all the other Star Wars movies, you always are following like Luke Skywalker or Finn or Rey, and they go into this environment and they're all freaked out by what's going on. And it's like, oh, it's so weird what's happening and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's basically you take a character and you put them in an environment that they're not used to. So they just feel really out of place, you know? So in in the solo movie, and I don't even know if I'll say this because Han is not Han. He feels a lot more like Luke in this trailer. But in this movie, you have Han and Lando and Chewie in the cantina. And they're in their natural element, you know. So I feel like you're going to get a better vibe from the cantina scene because you're going to be with characters who are used to being in this environment instead of being around characters who are overwhelmed and confused by what's going on. You know, like, you know, just to drive the point home, when you have Luke going to the canteen, he immediately gets his butt kicked. And, you know, he's all weirded out by what's going on. And The Force Awakens, it just felt like, you know, a hack ripoff of the cantina scene from A New mm-hmm. Hope. You know, so in the solo trailer, I'm looking forward to seeing a bunch of rogue and scoundrels be in a rogue and scoundrel environment and feel at home being a, oh, I'm so weirded out by this place I've never been to. He's the best smuggler around. I heard a story about you. I was wondering if it's true. Everything you've heard about me is true. Whoa. <laughs> L3! Let go of the mean man's face. Um, and, you know, is there anything you liked about the trailer other than uh, Donald Glover, Rachel, that I didn't bring up? Um, I mean, Donald Glover just exemplifies Lando so well. I mean, the way that he acts, the way that he moves, the way that he smiles, like, all look like a young Lando. Um, And then when I look at Han Solo, there are moments, I mean, you're not going to get somebody who looks exactly like Harrison Ford, right? Um, I mean, even his kids don't look that much like him. Side note, did you know that in real life, Harrison Ford's son is named Ben? Ben, wait, Ben Kenobi Ford or, or Ben Skywalker Ford? Not sure. 
But I, okay. first name's definitely Ben. Oh. I wonder if that was on purpose. I have no idea, but I thought it was pretty funny. Anyway. Um, so, I mean, I get that you can't get somebody who looks like Harrison Ford. Um, but you can at least get somebody who acts like Harrison Ford. Yeah, because Donald um, Glover and Billy D. Williams don't look anything alike. Right. And I think, like, when you look at him, there are scenes where he looks kind of enough like Harrison Ford for me to be like, oh, okay, like, I'll buy that. But And then he opens his mouth. And you're and just talks. like, just just kidding. R- ruined for me. Right? Um, what do you think? So that line where he goes oh, you know? to Chewbacca and he's like, oh, well, what do you know anyway? That sounds like a line that Han Solo would say, but he doesn't say it like Han Solo does. He, it, it just, I don't know. It sounds defensive instead of sarcastic, or it sounds like he's just saying the line. It doesn't sound like he's actually acting the line, because I want to talk about, like, you know, just to further prove your point, Donald Glover has this one really cool line, like you said, where uh, Han Solo is like, oh, um, every, uh, I've heard something about you, is it true? And he says, everything you've heard about me is true. And just the way he says it, he mm-hmm. gestures at him, he points at himself, he's getting a cup of, like, you know, calf or whatever, his pinky finger is pointing out. And just the way he, like, pauses when he says everything and emphasizes his words, he's delivering lines like you're supposed to deliver lines, like you're acting, not like you're just saying what is on the script. Right. He doesn't, he just says his lines. He doesn't say things the way Han Solo says his lines because Donald Glover doesn't sound like Billy D. Williams, but he delivers his lines like Billy D. Williams did. So it at least sounds like, you know, he's doing his own interpretation of the character, you know, and that's the point when you're, when you're playing a character, even if you don't look like them, you're doing an interpretation of what you saw and grew up with. Right. He's not doing that. You know, and, and, and that's what I didn't, and, and that's just what I don't like. You know, it just sound, it, it just doesn't feel like he's, he's, like when he says, I'm a driver, I'm a flyer, it, it's just all, the dialogue just isn't great, and he just doesn't sound like Han. I'm a driver, and I'm a flyer. Han Solo, I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. Chewie here tells me you're looking for passage to the altar. I agree. Um, I absolutely agree with that. And I think also, like, there's... Aside from there, aside from that, there is not a single pointing scene in any of the three trailers. So we've had Donald three- Glover points. He does the Lando, um, he does the Lando, you know, salute. You know, yeah. that he did a Return of the Jedi. And, and, you know, it's weird because he's almost known for his pointing. That's my favorite thing when, he, when he's always getting up in your face and pointing. You know, that's all, that's like, that's like a signature move. Maybe he learns that. Maybe that's his character arc. Maybe he sees, you know, Woody Harrelson point at somebody and is like, I need to do that. You know, because I'm pretty yeah. sure that's where Han Solo learns everything. Because if you think about it, you know, you know, in A New Hope, when Han Solo calls Luke kid. Well, that's the real trick, isn't it? And it's going to cost you something extra. 10,000, all in advance. 10,000? We can almost buy our own ship for that. But who's going to fly it, kid? You? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, like, 
I always got the idea that Han called Luke kid because Luke is literally a kid. Like, there's even a point in A New Hope where Han Solo literally calls Luke a boy. Well, the fun begins. How long before you can make the jump to light speed? Take a few moments to get the coordinates from the navigation computer. Are you kidding? The right there, gaining? Traveling through hyperspace in like dust and crops, boy. Without precise calculations, we'd fly right through a star or bounce too close to a supernova and then it injured trip real quick, wouldn't it? You know, so you get the idea that Hong calls him that as a demeaning name because Luke is a kid who doesn't know anything and just runs his mouth. But if you look at the trailer, Woody Harrelson calls Han kid. Hey, kid. I'm putting together a crew. So now you're like, wait. Did Han call Luke kid because his mentor used to call him kid? So it's a thing now. You know, it, it, like my thing with the trailers and, uh, you know, a big thing about the Star Wars sequels, and it feels like everything is a thing now. I don't know if that makes sense. It's like, you know, you know how it's a motif in Star Wars that everybody says, I have a, a bad feeling about this. Mm -hmm. I have a bad feeling about this. I don't sense anything. I've got a bad feeling about this. Oh, I have a bad feeling about this. I've got a bad feeling about hey. this. Quiet. What? Very bad feeling about this. I got a bad feeling about this. There's an awful lot of moisture in here. I don't know. I have a bad feeling about this. I have a bad feeling about this. I have a really bad feeling about this. I got a bad feeling about this. It's, it's a very simple line. And the reason why I love that line is because, you, you know, it's just, you know, you know, stuff is about to go down and everybody says it. And, you know, you never put much thought into it. But then in the movie, Han Solo says, I got a really good feeling about this. I don't want them to do callbacks for the sakes of being doing callbacks. It feels like they're just trying to be clever. And they're just trying to say, hey, remember that thing? We're subverting your expectations now and turning it on its head. It almost feels like they're saying, oh, Han used to have a good feeling about things. But after this movie, he learned to only have a bad feeling about <laughs> things. You know, it's just like they're making fun and twisting things in a way that don't at all need to be changed, you know? Um, there are a couple of other examples, but it just, you know, and then, you know, even, you know, you know, when Woody Harrelson is, uh, tells Han. Let me give you some advice. I assume everyone will betray you and you will never be disappointed. I have a bet with my friend. He betted me $5 that Woody Harrelson is betraying Han to the Empire while he says that, you know, and it, it just... It just rings false to me because I'm like, Han had to learn not to trust people and that's why he has trust issues. If that's the case, if Woody Harrell said that to him, then Han shouldn't have trusted Lando when he went to Cloud City in episode five. I'm right. like, is Han so stupid that he just lets people betray him all the time? You know, like you don't need to spell out the movie for me. I don't need, because it implies that Han was this gullible, shy, happy-go-lucky kid that learned not to trust people, right? Right. Skywalker's arc that he has to learn that things are more complicated than they are, you know? And the reason why it works for Luke is that when Luke learns that arc, he becomes a cool Jedi master, you know? When right. Han Solo goes through that arc, he just becomes this jaded, 
bitter dick, you know? And we love that jaded, bitter dick that he is in episode four because that's at the beginning of his arc. I don't want to know how Han Solo ended up being like that. I don't want to see Han Solo when he's this eager kid who just wants to, you know, be proved this, that, or the other. You know, it, it's kind of lame. You know, you don't want to right. learn how a character became cool if you already knew them as a cool character, you know? Um, I want to see Luke Skywalker learn and develop and grow from being this, like, bratty, young, starry-eyed kid because that's when I met him. I don't want to learn how Han Solo became somebody who's just going to shoot someone in cold blood. You know what I mean? Right. Did you, what do you think about like Amelia Clark's character, Woody Harrelson? Like, do the, do you like, my question is, do you think that Han Solo is on the only bad thing about this movie? Or are you at all interested in like, you know, what Amelia Clark has to bring or, or, or what have you? So I'm a little disappointed that the cast Woody Harrelson not because I have anything against Woody Harrelson. I actually love Woody Harrelson as an actor. I mean, like, watching him play... I mean, when you think of, like, him playing, like, the dorky, naive kid in Cheers versus all the way up to the old, cynical man in The Hunger Games, you know, I think he's a talented actor. Um, or even as a character actor, just he's played so many roles so differently. Right. Right, and that's what I'm saying, right? You know, the two ends of the spectrum, right? You know, yeah. Not even, I'm sorry, not even two ends. He's played like 50 ends of the spectrum. I was specifically showing the contrast that he could do between yeah, the two okay. characters that I used as examples. All right, sorry. Continue. Okay. But, um, so I love Woody Harrelson. You know, I think he's a great actor. Um, but I think he's too big for Star Wars. And I kind of feel the same way about Amelia Clark as well. Um, you know, what I loved about the original Star Wars movies is that these people were actors that I had never heard of, you know, before. Like, when I think of Harrison Ford, I think of the movies that came post-Star Wars, right? Like, Indiana Jones. And so, for me, like, and I, I felt the same way with, um... Liam Neeson being in Star Wars and Sam Jackson being in Star Wars. Yeah. I just yeah. felt like to me it was just kind of like oh, like okay, you know like like these are really good actors and they're really famous actors but what I loved about Star Wars is that it, it was like so independent when it first came out. It, right? it, 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 I feel like it just casts like unknowns, people that you don't really expect. Like for example... Do you know the the role, the only like major or film role that Daisy Ridley played before The Force Awakens? No. She played a dead body on a morgue. Do you know those CSI shows mm -hmm. where people like look at the body and like, oh, this is yeah. She was a chick that got killed, and a bunch of uh, like it was like some British TV show, and a bunch of people were just looking at her body, say, oh, she got strangled like this, and oh, this she played a dead body. You know, John Boyega came from nowhere oscar isaacs was a character actor but he 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 had played the guy that got killed in drive in the first 30 minutes of the movie that you know the these characters that they have in the force awakens the original star wars movies didn't really come from anywhere even Ewan mcgregor right. wasn't a known name in uh you know the the prequel trilogy and that's why that's one of the things i liked about the force awakens as well is that you that every big actor in the new trilogy was famous because of Star Wars, you know? 
Yeah. Like, like even um, uh, Admiral Holdo. You know, Laura like, Dern. Yeah. I mean, she had been in things before, but like the most searched thing after Star Wars came out was what did she play in Jurassic Park? Right? So, like, and she wasn't even like a big role in Jurassic Park, you know? Have, hmm. What? Have you seen Jurassic Park yet? I've seen a lot of Jurassic Park. I thought you, oh, so you did watch it. But not all of it. The last time I talked to Rachel, she had not seen Jurassic Park. And so by a lot of it, I mean that I have seen some key scenes in Jurassic Park. So you haven't seen Jurassic Park. You've just seen scenes on YouTube. Yes. yes. Okay. Laura, I, th- I, I don't remember because I've seen direct Jurassic Park exactly once. But Laura Dern, I think she had a pretty big role in it. I think she was a lead female character. I don't remember for sure. Yeah, but she wasn't like, I mean, she wasn't big enough for people to be like, oh, I know who she was. They had to like Google who she was. Yeah, that is true. Laura Dern. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I see what you're saying. Right. And she is a great actor, too. Like, so it's not, I'm not, it's not about the skill. It's the fact that I love that you took these people who are unknown and made them amazing. Um, and when, when you watch the, the prequels, I mean, the prequels, I mean, part of why I don't like them is, I mean, it's a lot of reasons. But part of it is the fact that it felt too commercialized, right? Um, with the yeah. just exorbitant amount of CGI. I mean, unnecessary amounts of CGI, right? To kind of show off at the time, like, hey, look how much money we have that we can put all the CGI into a movie. And then two... In yeah, the actors, or I'm too lazy to actually... Yeah. Uh, and then two, in the actors, right? You're paying them so much because they're already so famous. And it took a lot of that... The feel of Star Wars away for me that you get when you watch the originals and even when you get... It, when you watch the new ones, right? Um, like, when you watch the original Star Wars, this was somebody who created models of everything, and got these actors because he was doing this himself, right? You know, he didn't have a big company like Disney backing him up. And when I watch the Han Solo trailer and I see Woody Harrelson and I see Clark and and even a little bit with Donald Glover, but I can forgive him because he did such an amazing job. It just kind of, it reminds me of that. Like, it reminds me that, like, it doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie to me anymore. It feels like an action movie. And you're getting, you know, popular, well-paid actors to do incredible stunts. And I just... That actually brings me to my next question, though. Did it feel like a Star Wars movie? Like, take away the music and you're just watching it. Did it feel like a Star Wars movie? Like, did it give you that kind of energy? Okay. Yeah. You, you know, yeah, it didn't. Yeah. And I had another question for you, but I completely forgot what it was. But yeah, no, the it didn't. You, you know what another pick I have? I'm pretty sick of seeing Star Destroyers everywhere. Yeah. Did you notice how they had a Star Destroyer in like the atmosphere of the planet? No. That was still being built. Okay. In the opening shot of the trailer, they showed a Star Destroyer in the planet that was still being built. Oh, and okay. then my thing is... 
they just did that in Rogue One. They showed a Star Destroyer hovering in the planet atmosphere in Rogue One. It's almost like yeah. they're ripping off the same imagery, you know? And I'm like... Which is like, do they because Rogue One was so good. I watched it again last night, and it reminded me how good it was. It was okay. But, but, okay, but, like, even in Rogue One, you have the Empire in Rogue One. Okay, I get it. They're stealing the Star Destroyer plans. Did you really need to have the Empire in the solo movie like it's an underworld thing with rogues and scoundrels i would love for them to invent some kind of bounty hunters guild and come up with new armor and instead of the millennium falcon being chased by tie fighters maybe they're being chased by a bounty hunter guild or a local warlord or something like that it feels like okay let's just make a variation of stormtroopers again so we can sell toys and let's just be lazy about it instead of being like let's invent a completely new faction for them to go up against you know right and and kind of what you're what you're saying is it didn't feel like a star wars movie when i was watching the trailer but in all of the bad ways like it felt like they were trying to make it a star wars movie but it wasn't a star wars movie and what i would have loved was a star wars movie that didn't feel anything like a star wars movie because it wasn't about because it it was it's its own thing you know yeah, not a movie see, that was trying to be something it's not. Like, to, like a good example to me is like Guardians of the Galaxy, which to me is a Star Wars movie, but it doesn't feel like one because right. they mixed it up. You know, that's fair. and I feel like we're never going to record a podcast without me knowing your pet is there. What? It's okay. It's cool. I like your animals. I just heard your dog, so I was like, we're never going. to. Oh, yeah. So I gave her. I'm never going to hear it with this time. And she's uh, like growling and shaking it around. I guess she's upset that it's not squeaking. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying. But originally, to my point, I mean, like, it's cool. It's cool. I know that Guardians of the Galaxy isn't a Star Wars movie, so it's not a fair comparison. But it's like Guardians of the Galaxy to me has the same feel and energy of Star Wars, where it's like we're gonna have all of this spectacle that's going on, but at the end of the day, it's about the characters. Yeah. You know, so to make a Star Wars movie, make it about the characters and have the Star Wars spectacle, spectacle, but uh, you know, um, invent new things. And this actually brings me to like I think should be my last point. It's a complaint that leads into a question. Do you think Chewbacca is gonna survive? Well, yeah. No, because they had that scene where Chewbacca is dangling off the train and Han is holding on to him. So I'm really worried he's going to die. Like, no, but he's in the yeah. next movie. What? I was doing a bit, oh, but that's okay. my point. Like, I know that Chewbacca owns Han, owes Han a life debt and they have to show that. But I really hate how in the trailer they show that scene where Han is holding on to Chewbacca and Chewbacca is dangling off the train. And then they show the rock hurtling towards Chewbacca. And they're like, oh no is he gonna survive and i'm like of course he's in four other movies you know right um and then it's like and just also, the physics of it he yeah survived the um the, the sorry Jeez. i can't not hear her now i'm sorry <laughs> like, like, me neither i totally like i guess tuned it out and then now that you've said that all i hear are these like little uh, uh. Uh, <laughs> panting noises background as she's trying to like shake the life out of this toy okay uh, oh man okay anyway um oh shoot what was I saying 
see most of you distracted me. <laughs> we were tra- okay. We were talking about Chewbacca dangling off of the train. Oh yeah, he already uh, survived the droid attack on the Wookies, and <laughs> Wait, I don't know already... where are you going with that? <laughs> he's 190 years old. He's not gonna go out like that. That was great. I, that was really funny, you know. No, I'm okay. So I'm, I loved that joke. Oh, you're 190. I'm, wow, you look good. Okay, shut up. Like, how do you know what he looks like? He's covered in hair. He told him. He asked him, and he responded. No, I, I, but he said you look really good for 190. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, like, yeah. That was <laughs> you. Do you even know what old Wookiees look like? Like, <laughs> okay, <I'm sorry. laughs> but they were trying to be funny. It was a joke, yes. Rachel. Don't you but, get it? But also, like, I'm trying to think like how Chewbacca went from this hero on his home planet fighting with his good friend Yoda. I'm sure they'll explain like, it. Like. And, like, it's you know, weird. Like, in the Han Solo trailer, it's like he and Chewbacca were already friends, but also not friends. And I'm like, by the time we see them in in A New Hope, they're, like, blood brothers, right? You know, friends for yeah. life. Um, yep. And I'm, watch- and I'm watching this, and I was like, I feel like they're trying to rush this friendship to be that point you know it's like when they're more buddy buddy in the trailer than Han than they were in a new hope too which was weird yeah that's what i'm like like do you see how chewbacca had his arm around han in one trailer and they're like whatever and i'm like no no yeah and i mean it's like when c3po met r2d2 and it's like this lifelong friendship and they meet and you're just kind of like oh you know but they don't rush that friendship, right? They develop that friendship over the course of three movies before you get to A New Hope, and then you're like, oh, okay. They're, well, I guess, Rogue One now. Um, like, you know, you see Ugh. that friendship develop a little bit, and I feel like it's going to feel very forced. I don't know. See, here's here's my... I just don't... I don't care how they became friends. They were, and you know what? And you're right. They were blood brothers, but I never got the idea that Han and Chewie were friends. They were just there. Like they were friends, obviously, but it was kind of like, whatever. You never really thought about it. They were just attached at the hip, you know? And I'm not looking forward to seeing a friendship develop between a human being and somebody that can't talk, you know? Like, how are they going to like explain that, you know? Uh, And then, and, and then can, let's just be real. A bear weighs like what, four hundred pounds, whatever. I don't know how you much know? a bear weighs. Look, I started it off wrong. Okay, Chewbacca is over seven feet tall. You saw him pick up another human being and throw him into the ground so far he shit his head out of his asshole. So how is okay? Han Solo like, holding him? Yeah, his arm should have come right out of his socket. Now I asked an engineer if he could have supported his weight. And the engineer said no. So there's no way that Han should have been able to, like, catch Chewbacca. And, and I know that's a petty complaint, but I'm like, no. And then, you know, but let me move on to something that actually matters. Number okay. one, when I saw that train sequence, I all I thought about was the first Captain America movie. And number two, right? it seems, yeah, up to Captain America trying to catch Bucky. Number two, 
it seems like they're building up that train sequence as being like the defining set piece of the movie because there were a lot of scenes in the trailer that take place on a snow planet with the weird looking what do you, are you excited for that train sequence what do you think no. is this something that you're like watching this i feel like it's like they took you know it felt a lot like i was watching captain america again and yeah. i just <laughs> or um snowpiercer which is actually another chris evans movie yeah, that's Which, a good if one. you have not seen that movie, you need to watch it, Mason. That movie is insane. I've seen it. It's insane. <gasps> um, right, so both of it, I mean, it's like they took footage from both of those movies. And then maybe sprinkled a little Polar Express in there. But Sure, a little Polar Express. <laughs> um, I don't know. Well, basically throw in Mission Impossible 2. Basically any movie where a character somehow is standing on a moving plane, moving train, while shooting and fighting people. But also through the snowy mountains. Yes, through the snowy mountains. All three of, which is the entire premise of Snowpiercer. Like that's the whole movie. Yeah, so they watched Snowpiercer and was like, let's just throw some Star Wars on it. Yeah. Star Wars action has always been a little, has been a lot more, and I don't want to use the word boring, but. It was never boring, but it was like you have a bunch of people running around doing stuff. And the stuff about like Star Wars action is they're running from something or they're chasing something and they're moving mm-hmm. through a building. But the reason why Star Wars action is so great is uh, because of the dialogue. It's because of the characters talking and the implications of what's happening around them. Like, honestly, my favorite action sequence in Star Wars has always like been Star Wars A New Hope when they go into the Death Star. Because the whole idea is... Han and Luke impulsively decide to rescue Princess Leia without a plan. As soon as they rescue Princess Leia, everything goes wrong. Princess Leia realizes that she got rescued by two idiots and then does nothing but talk shit to them for the rest of the time they're on the Death Star. Too short for a stormtrooper? Huh? Oh, the uniform. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. You're who? I'm here to rescue you. I've got your R2 unit. I'm here with Ben Kenobi. Ben Kenobi? Where is he? Come on. Get behind me! Get behind me! Can't get out that way. Looks like you managed to cut off our only escape route. Maybe you'd like it back in your cell, your highness. Open up in there. Open up in there. There isn't any other way out! So the whole thing that's going on is, oh, man, Han and Leia are bickering. Luke is there. Han runs off and chases a bunch of stormtroopers down a corridor. You know, they get caught in, like, this contraption. And then at the end, Ben Kenobi dies. Spoilers. So Luke has to deal with that. And then in The Force Awakens, Finn and Rey are running through the desert, and they're bantering back at each other. Finn keeps trying to grab uh, Rey's hand. You know, Return of the Jedi. They get on the speeder bike chase. And again, it's all about characters active, acting impulsively, bantering with each other, and just doing some, you know, shooting and running. And I always love that because to me, the action is about the characters and how they interact with each other. They're not doing a bunch of crazy stuff like balancing on a train and doing superhero stuff because they're very much like normal people, you know? So you look at this action sequence and I'm like, 
I'm not watching the action sequence because I want to see somebody bounce on a train and shoot somebody. I'm watching the action sequence because I want to see Leia yelling at Han about, you know, how stupid he is and how he can't do this, that, or the other. And then she grabs a gun from him and figures out a way to escape from the situation, you know? And it, it, I know it's very basic stuff, but I, I'm there for Star Wars because of the character interaction. And, you know, I'm judging the movie too early, you know, because I haven't actually seen the train sequence. But it just looks lame. I've seen it before. I just want to see the characters snark at each other and try to get away and out of the situation instead of seeing this big, you know, CGI spectacle of stuff that I've literally seen before. You know, and I've seen Snowpiercer. I saw Mission Impossible. I've, I've seen every train sequence ever. I don't need to see them running around on the train doing a heist. You know, it's lame. I don't care. Um, it, it just feels, so, it feels very derivative. So I think we need to go ahead and talk about some other Star Wars characters. Otherwise, And another thing about the Star Wars, <laughs> okay, I'm just joking. Um, otherwise, we're going to talk about the the solo trailer, the entire podcast. No, I don't want to do that. Right. So, um, <laughs> we can go ahead and move past the solo trailer of the movie and talk more about Han Solo as a character um, and really, or another Star Wars character. So, we can start out with Han Solo if you would like, um, or... We can move on to your all-time favorite character, Kylo Ren. I do like Kylo Ren. He's a goat. <laughs> so are you gonna explain? Oh no, no, yeah. Well, a goat means greatest of all time. Did you not know that? I did, but like, why? Oh, okay. Um, well, you you saw Jurassic uh, World, you know? Yes. I I. Who the what is what the hell is that? What? It sounds like you're breathing really hard into the mic. Nope. Okay. The mic is nowhere in my face. Well, the reason why I like Kylo Ren, well, it, it is kind of like a meta thing. First of all, I think Kylo Ren is maybe the best it? villain we've seen. Yeah, I'm, no, not anymore. Okay, it was like caught in my in my um my sweater. It's cool. Okay. Kylo Ren honestly is the best. He's the best written character I've seen because, in my opinion, with all these movies that come out like Jurassic World and stuff like that, they create characters that are basically carbon copies of characters we've already seen before. So, for example, Chris Pat is literally Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum all wrapped into one and then made as one composite character, you know. Um, uh, you know, so you have all these characters that are just, oh, we're just going to create the same character except in a different setting. And I think that with Kylo Ren and to an extension Finn and Rey, they are a response to these characters instead of an imitation of them. So Kylo Ren basically is a response to Darth Vader's legacy. He is somebody who lived in a universe where Darth Vader existed and tries to emulate Darth Vader. Nothing will stand in our way. Finish what you started. And- 
And as a result, you have this unique character that tries to be like somebody that's existed before, but consistently fails at it because he's not that person. So one thing that I really loved about The Force Awakens... Well, before I say that, every Star Wars trilogy, every saga, you know, Star Wars saga movie is about a Skywalker. The current trilogy we're in, Kylo Ren is that Skywalker. Don't let the fact that his last name is Solo (laughs) confuse you. He's still Leia's son. Anakin Skywalker is still his grandfather. So basically, he right. is the main character of the original trilogy to me and uh, of the new trilogy to me. And what I like about it is that even in The Force Awakens, Kylo Ren had an arc, you know, and having an arc, you know, is important. You care about the character because you see, oh, I'm struggling because his main struggle is I'm in the dark side, but I know I'm supposed to be a good person. And my internal conflict is. I don't want to be a good person. I want to be a bad person. So I'm struggling with my inherent desire or my inherent understanding that I need to be a good person, which is something you've never really seen in the villain before, where their whole struggle is, I feel the light side calling to me. I feel my the better urge of being a good character call to me. And that's really interesting. And, you know, I'll let Rachel speak to Kylo Ren as a character specifically, because the main reason why I like Kylo Ren so much is because of Adam Driver. You know, did you see Girls... The Lena Dunham show on HBO? Okay. Basically, that show is trash. It's like Sex in the City, except for millennials. And I watched Girls when I was, like, in college. And the one thing that I liked about it was Adam Driver's character. I feel like what Adam Driver does is he takes a character that's inherently unlikable and makes them relatable, you know? So I'm going to touch on two things that are pretty dark, and I apologize. This this is going to be pretty dirty. What? I got another... So. I guess when I get a call, it pauses. Yeah. Okay. So do, do you, repeat like the last 30 seconds of what you just said. I was saying that um, you said you hadn't seen Girls. I said Adam Driver first started in Girls, you know, and I really liked his character in Girls because he takes a character who's pretty awful and makes him relatable. We could die in the same bed and I will never forgive you.
But if Adam Driver can take and act like that and make it seem like something a character would realistically do without you hating him, that's acting. There's another scene. Um, he doesn't like hit women or anything, but there's another scene where he's in a scene with this other emotionally volatile woman and they start like beating the crap out of the room and throwing things at each other and hitting things. And I'm like, you know, in any other TV show or movie or any other actor, I would hate Adam for what he's doing and I would be scared for the girl. But in this scene, he, he's so goofy about the way he's breaking things and wrecking her house that you kind of almost laugh at it. And you're like, I understand why this character is acting out the way he was. And I like to point out that the girl was also breaking things. So it's not like he was, you know, outright hitting her or doing anything that bad, you know. But am I making sense? He takes these awful things that you that you wouldn't accept in real life and he spins it in a way to almost you relate to why his character is doing it. And the same thing works for Kylo Ren. He does things as Kylo Ren that you would hate, but you understand why Kylo Ren is doing it. You know, doing butt stuff is wrong. You know, hitting people is wrong. Murdering people is wrong. But I'll be damned. Whenever he does that stuff in the show, the way he acts it out, you actually relate to his character's behavior. You know, mm -hmm. and I think that's, you know, really talented acting because even at the end of The Force Awakens, after everything he did, I still related to the character and I wanted to see more of him, which I think is a, a, a really interesting. And, you know, his physicality in the role was great. Like, honestly, if Adam Driver walked around wearing a mask for all three movies, I wouldn't care. The way he walks, the way he fights, all of it is a very strong physicality that Adam Driver brings. So when Adam Driver was announced to be the villain, in Star Wars The Force Awakens, I was psyched because I just love what he brings to a role because Adam Driver can just take the most shitty, dog shit, fucking shitty, awful person and it'll make you like them even if you don't want to, you know? So, so that's why I like Kylo Ren and I like the character stuff too, but I feel like Rachel has a better handle on why she likes Kylo Ren in the context of Star Wars. I like him in the context of what the two, you know, someone who is essentially a shitty person, you know? Yeah. So I like Kylo Ren because for me, Kylo Ren is everything that I wanted Anakin Skywalker to be. N not in the fact that, you know, he's evil trying to struggle. Oh, I'm sorry. He's feels the light pulling towards him and is trying to go towards the darkness. And let's, that part is, is interesting, um, which I think works, actually. It's something that if you had told me that was going to be his struggle, I would have been like, what? That's so weird. Um, but I would have loved to have seen Adam Driver play Anakin Skywalker for all the reasons that um, Mason said. You know, when you're seeing Anakin struggle, I think to have an actor as talented as Adam Driver with that, it would have made it a lot more heart-wrenching to see Anakin struggle. But instead, when I see Anakin Skywalker, I'm just like, dude, what is wrong with you? Like, how did you even think that this is a good idea? Why'd she have to die? Why couldn't I save her? I know I could have. Sometimes there are things no one can fix. You're not all powerful. Well, I should be. Someday I will be. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. I promise you. I will even learn to stop people from dying. Anakin. It's all Obi-Wan's fault. 
He's jealous. He's holding me back. What's wrong, Annie? I killed them. I killed them all. They're dead. Every single one of them. And not just the men, but the women and the children, too. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, Kylo Ren mirrors Anakin um, in their in their struggles and then the things that um, I totally lost my train of thought. Okay. I I'm going to pick up where you left off because it again comes to the acting. The I think you like them because of how they both react to situations. They're both immature and mentally unstable, right? I'm trying to think. I remember last time we talked about this and I had like these like four good bullet points on how Anakin and Kylo are very similar. Well, I think in, emotional immaturity was one of them because of how they react to situations. They both throw tenter, temper tantrums and get angry about situations. Mm -hmm. Again, the only difference is that, you know, when Hayden Christensen was complaining about the, the sand people, you were kind of laughing. But when Kylo Ren pulls out his lightsaber and starts hitting a wall because he's upset, you're like, oh, wow. Again, good acting. This would seem lame, but he's pulling it off. both emotionally immature in how they react to situations and they both want something really really bad to the point where they compromise their morals even though they know what they're doing is wrong you know they're both petty spiteful vindictive people but what they want is essentially a good thing i guess anakin wants his wife to survive kylo wants her to be balanced you know he wants balance in the force and he wants everything to even out they both want things to be right and fair and just but they're willing to sacrifice everything that they know is good to try and get that and that's where they kind of get lost in the darkness um and i think that's one of the ways they relate to each other i remember what else i was gonna say you reminded me thank you uh, okay that <laughs> Ren mirrors darth vader just like um, Ray mirrors Luke Skywalker. And so when you look at those characters next to each other, um, their struggles and their goals, they actually are pretty similar. So when you look at Darth Vader slash Anakin Skywalker versus Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren, mm -hmm. you have two kids who have these lofty expectations set upon them. Right. For Anakin, you have this. I mean, the whole time that he's growing up in his Jedi training, they're like, oh, you are Jesus Christ. Right? You're the chosen one. You know, you're supposed to be bound to the force. You're the person that the prophecy is talking about. And I think that's ways on Anakin. Um, and he's his whole life is spent 
trying to reach the aspirations that others have put on him. And I think he feels that pressure. And I think a lot of the emotional immaturity that you see in Anakin Skywalker is because he's trying to live up to this expectation while he's still really young. You know, that's like me saying, I want to be a millionaire by the time I'm 25, right? So in in the next three years, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do all of these things. But somebody else has said, Rachel, you're going to be a millionaire by the time you're 25. Now I'm going to be like forced to grow up and try to make this happen. Um, There's also the fact that they put all these lofty expectations on Anakin while also not trusting him and treating him like a child, which he kind of was. But if you go around telling somebody that they're the chosen one and then you want to be Jedi Master, you want to do this and that, and they won't allow you to. But Anakin was really young. Like, I mean, he was not ready for that. And Yeah, but he was powerful. Nobody checked his ego. He was really powerful is the problem. Right, and so you, you have you know, that's a, this this boost of hey you, like you're saying this like ego boost like when it comes to his force ability um but and he thinks that because he is powerful he should have all the power now right even though he is mm-hmm. the youngest person to ever be on the jedi council you know yeah. um he wants more and i think you see the same thing with kylo ren so with kylo ren you know you're Two parents are war heroes, you know? Yeah. Um, And your uncle is a powerful Jedi master. And your grandfather is the most, like, powerful Jedi that... Ever lived. Right. And you have Also the most evil person that ever lived, essentially. He's Hitler. He's space Hitler. No, no. That Palpatine totally wins that. No, okay, Palpatine is way more evil than Anakin. Okay, who killed a room full of children? At Palpatine's order. Okay, whatever. Palpatine is is a terrible, terrible, whatever he is. Um, a villain. Well, I was gonna say human being, but I was not entirely sure if that was accurate. He's, but he is a human being. They go out of their way to show it. Right? We're going off on a tangent. Darth Vader is the second most evil person to ever live. So you have Snoke. And Snoke straight up says, like, you be, you've got Skywalker blood in your veins, you know? Like, I chose you to be my apprentice, not necessarily because you showed skill, but specifically because you were a Skywalker. So once again, you're putting these lofty expectations on who Luke describes as a scared kid, you know? Yeah. So Ben, when he becomes Kylo Ren, is still young enough to be considered a kid, Um but old enough to still have developed emotions, a lot like Anakin, right? You know, when, we yeah, talk, yeah. when they when... talk about um, Padawans, they talk about them being separated from their families really young so that they don't have those kind of attachments. Both yeah. Anakin and Ben are old enough to have those attachments, but young enough to not develop. And they're forced into situations to grow up, and they've grown up in the wrong kinds of ways. They haven't developed maturity. And you essentially said this, but they're also valued for what they are or what they can become instead of who they are. Correct. Yes. You know. And that's also like where the romance comes in. Padme and both Rey respectively. Romance or not for Rey. Kind of see them for who they are. I mean, everybody wants to use Anakin 
and Ben. Um, even the Jedi Council, right? They want to use Anakin for their own agenda, with the mm. exception, I think, of Obi-Wan. I think mm-hmm. Obi-Wan really does see him as a partner and a brother. Um, yeah. But, I mean, when you hear Yoda t- and Mace Windu talk about Anakin, like, they, talk, they use him like a tool, you know, or a weapon. You know, they don't, they don't treat him like an individual. They only see his power. And, and, and let's not even, like, look at the prequel trilogy. Even in the original trilogy, I feel like Yoda intended to use Luke as a weapon to kill Darth Vader. Like, you still see that in the original trilogy where, where Yoda trains Luke as, like, you have to go kill him now. So they, they see these kids and they just use them as weapons. And, you know, that's kind of like the whole story of the Skywalkers. They just kind of get abused and used and they just aren't up to it because they don't want they just end up being used by people to accomplish something you know instead of just being seen as their own person right you know so you get that with kylo and you get that with uh and you get that with anakin and you know they are the same character you know they kind of go through the same arc it's just that like uh kylo's is written better and he's literally an inversion of darth vader you know um they 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 run away to, they just run away from their from from the institution they're in, right into the arms of you know the dark side, and turn out being evil, you know. And you wonder why, you know, it's because you make the Skywalker name the most important thing in the universe, and you can't deal with that kind of pressure or stress and just snap under it, you know. And I think um, too, when you think about the goals of Anakin and the goals of Ben Solo you know, in going to the dark side is both power. Um, Mm -hmm. And not in the same way that you see Palpatine and Count Dooku go towards the dark Mm -hmm. side. I mean, when it's Palpatine, he wants power over people. And Count Dooku, the same thing. You know, it's a different kind of goal than what you see Kylo and Darth Vader have in their journey to become those villains. Mm-hmm. I mean, with every other Sith, um, you know, even with Snoke, right, you can say they want this power over people, you know. But I feel like Kylo and Anakin want control over themselves almost. They spend so much of their time under the neck of something that they want to feel like they have control over their own destiny. Yeah, and, and it feels like more like almost like a worthiness. Yeah. Like they're trying to prove themselves. Um, to get out from under this pressure and become their own, right? You know, like Kylo Ren does not care about dark side or light side, you know? And he's he doesn't want necessarily to take over the Empire. And I mean, when he asks Rey to join him, he's not necessarily saying, let's continue the First Order. And do he all says, the- yeah, no, continue, sorry. And, you know, continue this reign of terror, and control he wants to lead the galaxy but not in a, an oppressive way like snow even and in the force awakens kylo ren is like you need a teacher i can show you the power of the dark side you know and then even in a new hope remember when darth vader says the uh the death star is insignificant compared to the power of the dark side these guys are about the right. power that they have even when you know they fired star killer base just system of whatever Kylo Ren didn't want to do that he was there on the Star Destroyer watching it happen instead of being there for the speech he's more con- concerned 
about forging a connection with somebody and moving on from there. Darth Vader wants to forge a connection with the son in the original trilogy and overthrow Palpatine and, you know, do his own thing. Kylo Ren just wants to go at Rey and, like, do his own thing, you know? And you just right. don't get the idea that these people want to have control over everything. They just have never had control over themselves, and that's all they really want. Right. And they're, they're, it's yeah. like they're trying to tr- to prove who they are. Um, and I think, like, even when Luke was training um, Ben Solo, not of any fault of Luke's own, um, because Luke was only teaching how to be a Jedi the way that he was taught how to be a Jedi. Yeah. Um, you know, he didn't have an agenda like the other Jedi Masters did. Um, but you still saw, like, the amount of pressure that it was putting on Ben. And and how Ben, you know, kind of feels like he's abandoned almost. Um, you know, both Ben and Anakin are fighting for who they love. Um, and I think in Kylo's case, it is his his parents almost. Um, yeah. And then for Anakin, it's his mom and then um, Padme. And, yeah. that, and I think those motivations are what's driving them. I mean, that's why it was so such a big deal for, at, um, I almost called, said Adam Driver, for um, Kylo Ren to kill Han Solo. Yeah. It was, and there's actually a fan theory out there, that Han is the one that turned on the lightsaber. You know, Han was that... The fan theory that Han turned on the lightsaber? Yeah, and basically Han killed himself because he knew Kylo couldn't do it. And he Mm. knew that if Kylo went back to Snoke, having failed, that Snoke would have killed him. And so basically the theory is that he sacrificed himself um, in order to save his son. Where did you find this theory? Um, I was watching a Star Wars channel oh, okay, on YouTube okay. that went through the 10 most popular theories about oh, okay. The Last Jedi. All right. Well, you know. Um, but the original, the original thread was on Reddit. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Of course, it was on Reddit. I, I don't know about that. I, I think that's a, a, load of, a load of bullshit. But, you know, that's interesting, I guess. Um, but if, but- you, if you follow that, that theory, right, you know, Kylo could not kill his mother. You know, he had oh, a perfect not. opportunity. And it was an enormous struggle for him to kill his father. That was his, his I don't think his goal was ever to destroy them. I think his, I think his goal started out being trying to win their approval but then that uh need to win approval transferred over to snoke so winning winning snoke's approval tried to kill his dad you know um i do want to move on because of that theory kind of leaves a sour taste in my mouth and i'll I'll start talking about the last jedi uh well um i guess if you want to move on character wise um just like Kylo is a mirror of Darth Vader. I think Rey is a mirror of Luke. Um, you have two orphans who are abandoned on desert planets. 
and want to escape? It's more of an inversion because Ray didn't want to necessarily escape. She wanted her parents to come back and get her. That's true. You know, and Ray was chasing her destiny, leaving, was running away from her destiny instead of embracing it like Luke. So it's an inversion. I do want to say though, Ray, Rachel has a lot of theories about Ray that you guys will like, but I did, I, I did want to talk about Black Panther because I okay. don't, I don't want to feel like, well, 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 this is more a little bit broad, but you know, we were talking, well, this kind of Black Panther versus Wonder Woman, because I'm kind of sick of talking about Black Panther as if it exists in a vacuum, which really doesn't. But like growing up, like, um, well, the, the main reason I wanted to talk about it is because Rachel did this thing on Facebook where she said the women of Wakanda were better than the women in uh, Wonder Woman, which I thought was interesting. But I guess I wanted to, you, you, you like me, you grew up instead of like the, you, you're more of a DC person, right? Like, I think we both yes. got into it over Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Yes. You know, and Wonder Woman, Justice League was my introduction to Wonder Woman. Um, and, and I'll just say this quickly, you know, two things. I've always been a DC fan. When it came to Marvel, I read maybe three or four Marvel comic books. It was always Spider-Man, X-Men, um, some stuff like Runaways. But it was mainly Spider-Man, X-Men. Um, a little bit of Iron Man, but with DC, I literally read everything I could get my hands on, you know, and, and, and I feel like, you know, DC has better characters than Marvel, but it's undisputed that, that Marvel. Marvel has, has taken some characters that I think nobody really cared about and made them America's favorites. Like Iron Man. Like that's exactly the um, example I was going to use when I was growing up. I mean, watching Justice League. I mean, Justice League was my favorite. Um, Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, right? I thought Wonder Woman was amazing. She was my hero. Um, and the only Marvel characters that I knew were um, Thor, um, mm -hmm. the Incredible Hulk, and that's about it. Yep. Um, I knew, I actually knew about Ant-Man. He was one of the ones that, like, I recognized. Somehow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but like Iron Man, until the Iron Man movies came out, I did not know who. Yeah, Iron Man I'll be was. honest. I didn't know who Iron Man was either. I, I, I knew he was like he dressed up in an iron suit. That's all I knew. And like I didn't even put that Iron Man was part of the Avengers until the like they started making the Avengers. Like I knew who the Avengers were, but in my mind, like again, like I, I always saw the Avengers as like a group. Versus the Justice League, which was individual superheroes that made a group. Yeah, because um, in the Justice League, you, you, I had read every comic for the original Justice League. Yeah, yeah I even remember the lineup. It was like uh, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, The Flash, Green Lantern, um, Hawkgirl. Hawkgirl. Ma Martian Manhunter. Martian Man. Yes. And, and then my thing is that, like, Justice League, it was like, with the Avengers, it was, like, greater than the sum of their parts. With Justice League, it was right. like, okay, let me put it this way. Each individual member of the Justice League could take on the entire Avengers, basically. Um, you know, <laughs> well, I mean, you got them, Superman, you know? like... Yeah. yeah, and then it, and then it's like also like with the Avengers characters, I feel like the superheroes done well in Marvel are really really awesome. But every single character in the DC universe was somebody I really loved. Um, yes. And and then you know and so it really hurt me that Marvel was taking off so much harder and faster than DC because I'll be honest, I officially dropped the DC movies 
after Batman versus Superman. Yeah. So like after Batman versus Superman, I'm sorry. No. Yeah. I remember I left the theater. I was ranting the entire time. I said, I'm never going to see another DC movie in theaters. And I, and I have not since nothing is seen. I bought a ticket to justice league, but I just went into star Wars again. I have not seen any DC movie after Batman versus Superman. That's how much I hate what they did. And I was, so when I heard that they were making a justice league movie, and this is before I knew it was Batman v Superman. Yeah. You know, uh, it was Comic Con, and they had a poster of Batman, a poster of Superman, and a poster of Wonder Woman. And I was oh. so excited. And I was like, I mean, I wasn't at Comic Con, right? I just was, you know, watching the recaps of Comic Con, basically. Yeah, in your room on YouTube, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was so excited. Like, I watched that clip. Like, I mean, it gave us no information, really. But I probably watched that clip, um, you know, 20 seconds. Um, All it was was um, the Batman symbol being signaled into the sky and then Superman there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be amazing. Because this was, I mean, I love Marvel movies. I mean, since Iron Man, like, I remember watching Iron Man and I was like, oh, my gosh this is great. Like, I love Iron Man as a superhero. Like, why have I never heard of him before? Um, And so, from that first Marvel movie that I saw, I kind of began to fall in love with these superheroes. So I was really excited to see superheroes that I already loved Yeah. um, be part of, like, on the live screen, you know? And maybe, and at first I thought, um, after seeing Batman v Superman, I was like, maybe I set my expectations too high because I went into Marvel movies <laughs> with almost no expectations. And so yeah. then, of course, just about everything was going to exceed my expectations. But now I'm still watching like Cap- um, Captain America Civil War. I had high expectations going into that movie and I still loved that movie versus Justice League where I went in with low expectations and that movie was still disappointing. The movie was um, just so incredibly bland. It felt it, like nothing really was happening. Like, I, I, I've seen clips on YouTube. It's just so bland. I don't even... I'm trying to think of an... Ex- like, the villain was... Like, it was just so bland. Hello, so we got cut off. Hey. When you ended the recording, did it confirm that it was saving and everything? Um, it said that it was going to take a while and that it would notify me when it was done. Okay. So basically what we're saying before we got cut off is I was complaining about the Flash, but I didn't want to get off into a tangent where we picked apart every Justice League character because they all deserve to be picked apart. But specifically um, Wonder Woman, how did you think her interpretation was in the in all her movies? She's been in three so far. Yeah. So, I mean, I was going to get to that um, because, you know, when I was talking about you know, these characters that I loved being just the way that they were portrayed on the screen. And for me, of course, the most disappointing was Wonder Woman. Um, because, I mean, she was my hero. Really? Um, I had a friend ask me yesterday, actually. Um, they were like, who's your favorite superhero? And I was like, Wonder Woman. Like, that's easy. Um, and they were like, oh, well, is, the, like, is she the only female superhero? And I was like, I mean, she's like the only good one. So, yes, you know, like. Oh, oh hey, but. I'm not going to disagree with a woman on that. Maybe you understand something I don't. Who would you suggest? See, okay, here's what I will say. 
there's nobody, there's not a female superhero as iconic as Wonder Woman. Yeah. I you mean, know, or as well written. You've got like. But I do, she's not my favorite female, but I guess I'm being female superhero. Who's your favorite But I'm being a hipster superhero. when I say. See, there's not a big one. I really like Captain Marvel from Mar- from um, the Marvel okay. comics just because she was like an Air Force pilot. Yeah. I love um, Batgirl. And, you know, I don't think Batgirl really counts because Batgirl she's just a derivative of Batman. Yes, but I love, I do not like the killing, it's not the killing joke. I don't like when she got shot in the stomach and was like, you know, all that nonsense that happened to her. But I really like when she turned into Oracle. I like Batgirl Cassandra Kane, but you know what? I'm just naming a bunch of people who are, I mean, who are Batman female heroes. You, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, look, I'm not saying that Wonder Woman isn't the best female hero. I agree with you and everything. She's just not personally my favorite. And be, mainly because for the same reason that Thor isn't my favorite, I'm just kind of over the I'm a demigod hero who's a ripoff. Yeah, but anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm just saying no, I think there are better not not better written i just i don't know if i'm making sense i'm just saying there are other female superheroes i like i had a debate with somebody in high school um and they were like well wonder woman is only amazing because she's overpowered like well no that's not well yeah yeah well you could say the same thing about superman like and batman right you know but that's not i didn't like wonder woman because of her super abilities yeah. You know, it wasn't the fact that she could fly, which isn't always canon, but so I guess the fact that she can sometimes fly. Um, it wasn't the fact that she was super strong or mortal or any of those things that made me love Wonder Woman. Um, for me, Wonder Woman always seemed like the voice of reason. Um, yeah. So, yes. like, you yeah. had in the, in the Justice League, um, I remember... Wonder Bat- Woman is a guy who can take Batman and Superman and knock their heads together and say, quit right. playing. I can kick, I can beat up both of you. Right. Like, and, you know, Superman would have one plan and you're just like, that's ridiculous. That's never going to work. And then you have Batman that's like, no, this is stupid. I'm just going to go in there, guns blazing. And Wonder Woman's like, guys, you're both wrong. And then she would come up with the solution that actually worked. Um, and, and it was just like her personality, you know, like she didn't seem to let things get to her either um you know i remember watching and like hawk girl was like i feel so out of place in the world nobody understands me and wonder woman is like be yourself like it doesn't matter if anybody understands you or if anybody's like you you know it's good to be different and she's like- a she's a very strong role model and just not a female role model she's just self-righteous in the way that superman is but she's also not afraid to get her hands dirty but she's also not traumatically messed up like Batman is to the point where she can see both Superman and Batman's perspectives and meld it into her own thing. And not to interrupt you, but one of my favorite examples is how you have Batman who doesn't have a no, Batman has a no killing rule. Superman has a no killing rule. But I think, but there's this, there's this thing in the comic books where there's this villain named Maxwell Lord and he mind controls Superman into like fighting wonder woman and batman and stuff right now in my opinion wonder woman can be batman i feel like wonder woman could hold her own against superman for as long as she needs to but eventually superman is going to win Mm -hmm. because it's superman and in my opinion superman is the most powerful superhero ever nobody can beat superman i feel like wonder woman 
I feel like if because Superman's invulnerable, Wonder Woman is a better fighter than Superman and can give him a pull, but eventually he's gonna kill anybody. But she puts Maxwell Lord under mind control and is like, How do I stop um Superman from killing us? And Maxwell Lord is like, You'll have to kill me. And Wonder Woman just kills him like that. If Superman was in that situation, I don't think he would have had the the balls to kill somebody but wonder woman is the type of person who has a moral authority to say i trust myself enough and i'm confident in myself enough to have the authority to take a life without being morally compromised and is one thing that the wonder woman movie did do well um is to kind of show that i mean she was still kind of like naive going into this because like this was the first time that she was going into our um, you know, but she was not okay with the unnecessary loss of life. And I think that's like the yeah. key point there. Like at the end when she kills Ares, she's she's she feels like she's morally justified in it. Right? But she's not going to let um Germany kill unnecessarily. And so she's but she also knows that she's not the authority for that, right? You know, she knows that she's yeah. not she's humble enough to know that she's not in a place to make these decisions for everybody all the time, you know? What is it about? And, and that bothered me in the justice league movie. Diana, Bruce, no, you have no idea what kind of power you're dealing with. Even if there's a fraction of a chance. The what? That we could raise a monster like Luther did. We have tech. Luther's never even seen. Superman is dead. We all wish he weren't. We don't know what state he's in. We know we can't bring him back. But this is science beyond our limits. And that's what science is for, to do what's never been done, to make life better. Or to end it. Technology is like any other power. Without reason, without heart, it destroys us. You're risking lives. Theirs and maybe countless more. We don't have time for a control group. Is it a risk? Yes, but it's necessary. Why? Because of your guilt? <sighs> Bruce, I was there. You didn't kill Superman. At some point, even you have to learn to move on. Did Steve Trevor tell you that? When Batman, he makes this remark that's like, oh, your boyfriend died, and so you go into hiding for 100 years? But that's and not she loses her temper? That's not what happens, right? You know, she, at this point, you know, Ares is dead. People are still fighting because they're human, right? Not because Ares is forcing them to fight. And she yeah. loses kind of this faith in humanity um, is part of it. And the other part of it is she's like, it's not my place to control them because then I'm just like Ares, you know? So yeah. she steps out of the world intentionally to let us kind of figure our mess out. Um, and so that like really like hurt me because I'm like Wonder Woman is too smart. She's too wise to let the death of this guy that she knew for a couple months and that she did love, but to basically sulk for a hundred years. You know, like that's not Wonder Woman. She's a, too strong of a character for that. Um, that's not what happened. And but that's Batman's like opinion of her. Or him trying to be manipulative. Right. And it Oh, you said probably like, be because she's a woman because she cut off. Well yeah, because like she's emotional anyway. Yeah. And and that like offended me. <laughs> um probably more than it should have. Because I was like, No, that's not who Wonder Woman is. That's not like she was doing what she thought was best. Well, you know? but here's like, my question. Here's my question for you. Okay. 
So do you think that it was written that way to turn the characters against each other? Or do you think that Joss Whedon thought that Batman was right and was actually criticizing Wonder Woman as a character? Like, does that make sense? Yeah, I actually think that it's a little bit of both. So um, I think part of it was said by Bruce Wayne to get under um, Wonder Woman's skin. But I think more so, and I I don't think that um, Joss Whedon did it intentionally to down Wonder Woman or to make people think any less of her. Um, But I think Mm -hmm. that you, because after watching Justice League and Wonder Woman and Batman v Superman, he throws a lot of lore in there. And, Mm -hmm. or I mean, just in in general, DC has thrown a lot of lore into their movies recently. Um, And they kind of have this expectation that the viewers know what's going on. Um, And so I think if that you go into that same expectation watching justice league, the viewers are supposed to know that that's not what really happened, but that's not their entire audience. So I think that I thought that's what happened. I didn't see the wonder woman. I thought that she went undercover. She left because I don't know. I'm saying to prove your point. I thought that's what happened because that's what Batman said. I didn't. Right. Exactly. Um, And I think, Batman, in the context of Justice League, Batman doesn't know what happened either, right? He finds this picture, he knows who this guy is, and that's about it. Um, He doesn't know what's really going on. And also, I mean, he did, this was, he knew that saying that would strike a chord because she did love him, right? I mean, the loss of anyone that you love is going to impact you emotionally. And so I think he said it intentionally to get under her skin. So Mm -hmm. partially, yes, but yeah. partially also because he thinks that I think he is just speculating like, hey, this could have been something that happened. He doesn't know Wonder Woman en- well enough to um, for her to tell him, you know, her whole like life story. Kind but of as thing. far as Wonder Woman is concerned, you say like you, you said you didn't like her character in Wonder Woman. Like you said what she did. Right. What, what do you think she did wrong? Because well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll say my thing real quick. OK, I'm sorry. No disrespect, but Gal Gadot can't act. And the reason why I say she can't act is because I saw her in four um, Fast and Furious movies. And then I saw her essentially play the same character in Wonder Woman. And I'll be honest, Wonder Woman was kind of my favorite part of Batman versus Superman. Kind of. That's not saying much, but I don't think Gal Gadot can act. You know, and and this sounds weird. I don't think she had strong enough features to play Wonder Woman. Because going off of the Justice League, you know, TV show or whatever... Because I felt like they played her a little too naive, and I think she should yeah. have been a bit more blustery, like Thor. Like, did you like in the TV movies and stuff? She's very almost arrogant and aggressive yeah. and in your face, but and I just didn't feel that from what I we saw. See, but when we're seeing her in that in the TV series, that's after she's had all this experience, right? When we see her in the Wonder Woman movie, this is the first time that she hasn't been babied by her mother. Yeah, I guess. I mean, so we're not seeing. But a think about well, think about Thor in the in the Thor movies. He's been like babied his entire. See, it's yeah. yeah I, I don't still know. think it's that just... he's really naive in the first Thor movie too. You don't. Well, see yeah, Thor but I'm saying her naivete. Well, yeah, I don't. I'm just saying her naivete is almost. I, it just didn't. I don't know. 
what, 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 let me let you finish what yeah. you were saying because I don't want to like. I, I agree. Haven't seen the I mean, movie. because the the mature Wonder Woman is the Wonder Woman that I'm used to seeing, and so I think like it's part of it is exposure, right? The Wonder Woman that we know and love is this strong character, and we're seeing her like at, not that at all. Um, and I don't think it was bad. I think it was necessary. Um, mm-hmm. But I, and so I guess I should say that. I would have said that it was okay if they had redeemed uh-huh. her in the Justice League, right? So introduce her as this naive character that she that she is, right? You know, stepping into the uh-huh. world of man, not knowing anything. Um, but then, you know, after she spent a hundred years, you know, living in the world, you would think that she would you think that you would have seen her kind of grow into that a little mm-hmm. bit. And when you see her in Justice League, you don't see that you see someone who's still naive and and that was the part that rubbed me the wrong way like like wait a minute and and as i said earlier wonder woman was always the voice of reason and throughout the entire justice league movie batman manipulated her um to you know get his agenda done and batman was also the one that brought the justice league together and was like batman was never the one who brought the well here's what happens in in like here's what happens in like the comic books or justice league tv shows the justice league forms everybody is dicking around and they're and then something bad happens and then batman shows up and is like yo i got this and then he tries to leave and then they recruit him like batman doesn't create the team batman is always like right and that was like my biggest problem with batman v superman is that batman was like wonder woman you need to step up and be the leader but that was never no wonder woman would be the leader on her own without needing to be told to it would have been the opposite wonder woman would have stepped up said that we need this team and recruited batman in and never would have been the other way around you know what you said about steve it wasn't my business i'm sorry you were pushing me to lead the team. But leaders get people killed. I fought, always, when I was needed. But to lead, to step into the light and to say to people, this is worth your life. When it's your fault, they're all Steve Trevor. We make it through tonight. You can stay in the shadows forever. Dress up like a bat. I won't even sue. If we get through the night. At least according to the comics and shows that I grew up with, right? I mean, Wonder Woman is such a strong leader that... I mean, the fact that Batman basically had to manipulate her into leading was just, it was really Because weird the me. thing about Wonder Woman, and it's the same thing with Thor, because in my opinion, they're basically the same character. Wonder Woman isn't really beholden to anybody. Wonder Woman can do whatever she wants. Like, Superman is beholden to America or to planet Earth because um, his parents. But Wonder Woman is from uh, Mascara. Thor is from Asgard. So they can show up and, like, just take over you know and assert their dominance and be the people who are there because they're gods basically 
And how are you going to have somebody who's immortal get manipulated by Batman? And I'm going to pivot to Black Panther because I had the same issue with Black Panther. Because when you have Avengers in, in, in Captain America Civil War, Black Panther is a wrecking ball to the plot. He shows up and he's doing nothing but kick ass. And then in Black Panther, he's this very passive character that kind of has everything happen to him, right. you know? And it's almost to the point where the women overshadow, overshadow Black Panther and are better written than him, in my opinion. And you know what? I can't really complain too much because, you know, men have done that to the women in the movies and stuff where men are like, whatever, I get it. I still still dislike it because Black Panther is very passive. No, I'm not going to review, talk about my problems with Black Panther right now, because honestly, the whole women overshadowing Black Panther is a good problem, you know, because you get to see a lot of strong, powerful women. But um, what is it about the women that you, here's a two-pronged question. What is it about the women that you liked in Black Panther more than Wonder Woman? And do you feel like Black Panther kind of championed the whole women um, empowerment Thing better than Wonder Woman did. So I'm going to answer your second question first. And the answer is yes, um, I do. Um, and I didn't realize that until I saw Black Panther. Like, after I saw Wonder Woman, I was like, yeah, watch her. She's going to save the world. Like, way to go, Wonder Woman. And then um, Black Panther came out, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is what the women of Themyscira should have been. This is what, this is what the women of Themyscira are, you know? Um, and it, Because Black Panther almost felt like a matriarchal society to me. Yeah. And I just I wanted to that. say that. Um, but so Wonder Woman, you know, back to what we were saying earlier, being a strong role model, I think is, it was really important for Wonder Woman to be portrayed as a strong role model. And that's part of also going back to what I said about the Justice League, where she's not portrayed as a leader, where she's not portrayed as a strong, wise character, um, mm -hmm. bothered me because that that's what we should be portraying her as. Um, even if it's not, I mean, maybe it didn't make sense for the sake of the movie, but for the sake of all the girls watching Wonder Woman, that's who she should have been. Because there's not any really good, strong female superhero role models, you know? I mean, when you look at the Avengers, you have the Black Widow, which is who is morally questionable at best. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, just also... I don't know. She, to me, she's well, the old. way they wrote Black Widow is like, for example, in the Age of Ultron, it's revealed that she can't have kids and then she calls herself a monster because she can't have children. In the Red Room, where I was trained, where I was raised, um, they have a graduation ceremony. They sterilize you. It's efficient. One less thing to worry about. The one thing that might matter more than a mission. It makes everything easier. Even killing. You still think you're the only monster on the team? And I'm like, that's great. You're just going to go ahead and say that since a woman can't have children, she considers herself a bad person, right, you know, like... and then, you know, Black Widow's great. But then she's like this dude, devious character and stuff. And I'm like, that's cool because you can do whatever you want. I don't care. But it's like, 
I don't know. She just, but, how are you going to have not be able to have kids and then call yourself a monster and you have little girls watching be like, you're a monster if you can't have kids? You know, that's nonsense. Right. Or what does that say if you don't want kids? Like, you know, because Black Panther says you're a monster. Black, Black Widow's like, oh, I want kids, but I can't have kids. And therefore, mm-hmm. I'm a monster. What if, like, you can't have kids and you don't want kids? Like, like I just the message that it's sending, I can't get behind. You know, here's all, okay, we're picking up again, but here's all I was saying, and I'm saying this because I'm a writer and I love writing, and I hate the idea that you can't write about things, but all I'm saying is that if you want to play with the idea of a woman woman feeling like a monster because she can't have children, that's totally a fine concept, but that's a movie for adults. Probably shouldn't be in a superhero movie. It's something that's such an intense subject. It probably should have its own movie or be the main conflict instead of just throwing it in there as a throwaway line for somebody to have to sit and, you know, digest on their own, you know, without you giving it the proper care and attention that it deserves. And quite frankly, maybe a woman should somehow be involved in that kind of process of writing it. And, you know, I'm not even going to say a woman, just not Joss Whedon, anybody but him, you know. So, but anyway, what, what we were saying is that Wonder Woman was our first opportunity to see a well-written female character with her own arc. And then I think you were saying after you saw Black Panther, the women there did yeah, what exactly? I mean, the women there were just such great role models um, for a couple of things, right? They're standing up for what they believe in, um, even if it's against what everybody else thinks that they should do. Um, And then you have um, the sister who, you know, does not conform to anybody's mold or, you know, she is completely independent from the way that she dresses to the things that she says. How sassy she is, like, you know, all of her little jokes. Nope, I'm not going to say all of her jokes. When she said, what are those? I literally groaned out loud and lost all interest in the movie. But other than that line, and another joke she said that I won't get into, I'm, you really love her character. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, when she, like, you know, uh, when they're on the waterfall and she's like, I have a question. Like, can I, are we done? You know, can I get out of this corset? Right. You know, like she and, you know, the mom is like, no, you have to wear this. Right. Because it's traditional. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I love that, you know, because she's, she's not disrespectful. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of times when you see this portrayal of strong independence, it comes across as disrespectful. And I don't get that from her at all. I think that she's very respectful of her people and her culture, but mm-hmm. independent in the fact that, you know, she's going to pursue her own path. She's independent without rebelling against her culture. In a right. way, they often have women do in movies where they just like rebel and that's their way of saying they're independent. And I will say one thing I really liked is number one, they kind of normalized, you know, you know, uh, certain styles and things that you don't really see with women, like the Dorsha Malahe all being bald. I mm-hmm. thought that was pretty neat. Like they were like, yeah. oh, yeah, bald women. You know, you normally would not have bald women running around and stuff like that because that's. Hollywood would push as being necessarily attractive right. or being normal, but saying, oh, you have this bald chick, that's cool. Um, her taking off her wig and throwing it in that guy's right? face was a great message. Yes, sir. Hi. 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 Hi.
And I mean, like, I'm going to be honest. There's nothing I love. I really like movies where they show women fighting guys and it actually makes sense, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And, oh, man, this sounds really bad. But I feel like like a movie has made it where a guy can hit a girl and you not really cringe. Like, this is a non sequitur. But have you seen the show called Battlestar Galactica? Um, yes. Oh, do you know Starbuck, the main... Oh, have you seen the new one? No. Okay, my best example is they took Starbuck and they gender-bent her into a woman. And there's a scene where Starbuck and Apollo, another male character, are arguing. And she punches him in the face and then he punches her in the face because they're arguing and they're mad. And I was like, you know what? You should not hit women and you know that's wrong and everything but if you can write a story where a girl takes a punch and you're actually it just feels like you don't feel sorry for her right it's like oh they're on equal footing to where she can take a punch or the fact you know, that then, a man and a woman get in a, a f- physical fight and she's winning and what you said earlier it makes sense you know i think this about black widow all the time you know she's fighting yeah. people and winning and you're just like what um like yeah. Iron Man 2, when she gets in the ring and she's like, and Iron or um, Tony Stark's like, hey, like, how about you go a few rounds, you know? Against John Favreau, and yeah. And she, like, kicks his butt and doesn't even sweat. And you're just kind of like, what? You know, like, like it's just unbelievable. And Because it's like they take girls who are, like, very petite and attractive and they're like, oh, well, there's this girl and you don't think she can beat you up or whatever, but she can. And I'm like, but what I love is when you see a woman and you're like, oh, I want to mess with her. She, like, right. like an atomic blonde or Lupita Nyong'o, you're like, I just want to mess with that girl. She looks like she could kick my tail, you know? And I'm fine if a woman can beat up a guy and she looks like she's five foot nothing, even though it's not realistic. If you want to do that, fine. But I love where they will take a character and be like, this is how she looks. You just know not to mess with her because she exudes that um, th- that presence. And, and that's my issue. And I just, I'm going back to the Battlestar Galactica thing. There are a lot of times where you'll see a man fighting a woman and you're just cringing because it's like, oh, I don't this feels wrong to see a guy beating up a girl because it just feels like you know a wife beating type situation but if you can take a female character and make her have enough presence to feel like oh I can fight this guy and this feels like something that can actually happen and I don't feel like I'm watching somebody just beat the crap out of somebody or watching a girl fight a guy and they're like oh we're just making this work because it works that's really cool you know, like I like again in like the Black Panther scene, seeing Lupita Nyong'o beat up that guy and then take off her high heel shoe and beat the crap out of him. I'm like, I love that. You know, it's you know, it's really cool. Um, I absolutely agree. Like, um, and like these women, like you know, when T'Challa is go goes to South Korea, the two bodyguards that he brings with him are women right yeah because they're they're that strong they're that skilled and for me like that like that scene is the moment where i where i had that thought like this is what the themiscaran should have been um they because at in that moment where they're fighting in that south korean casino i was like this is i mean you have three people two of them are women and one of them has basically superpowers you know Mm -hmm. so 
but the other two don't, right? You know, they're they're yeah for all intents and purposes normal people, right? They don't have suits made out of vibranium or um Well, Black Panther is a super soldier basically. So Right, you know, and that's what I'm saying. Like he also s- has the powers of the Black Panther. So Yeah. But the but the other two in that scene don't, right? They don't have special armor they don't have special powers and they're holding them them their own against armed men you know yeah who and they're severely outnumbered and outgunned and they don't have any weapons right and yeah. i mean not not like no weapons um, well, when you finally see the Georgia Malahe fight Killmonger, like I remember there was a part on Black Panther, because I remember in the trailer you see uh, the Georgia Malahe uh, surround Black Panther. No, Michael B. Jordan Killmonger, and he takes out the weapons. I remember when I was watching the movie, I'd use a bath on my left, and I came back and I was like, did I miss the scene? And it's like, what scene where all, they, where all those girls beat up Killmonger? He's like, no. And then when that happened, when they all put out their spears, I was like, this is cool. You know, just seeing all right. these women fighting the dudes in the army and then them fighting Killmonger, you know, it, it just felt like a evil uh, a level playing field. And it's not even the action. It's just that all the women written are very complex characters. They have their own arc and they're just, I don't know, what... I'm going to let you talk more. I don't want to monopolize the conversation. So, I mean, just in general, in Black Panther, they're very strong. They're very independent. And you have both this, I'm going to do what I think is right mentality, no matter if it means betraying my country. And then you have, I'm going to be loyal to my country, even if it's something that I think is wrong, which is kind of what you get in Captain America Civil War, right? Um, you have that yeah. same kind of, you know, Captain America self-righteousness versus Tony Stark, you know, um, uh-huh. uh, guilt, his guilt and right. His, you know, we you know. need to be loyal to, mm-hmm. you know, the people, um, versus even mm-hmm. if it might be wrong versus, you know, Captain yeah. America, um, we need to do what's right, even if it's going against, um, our country. So you see that in um, the Black Panther as well, but in Black Panther, you're watching it, and it is like a very emotional struggle. I mean, she starts crying, right? But she's like, I have to be loyal to my country. Oh, when, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. And then again, you have Black Panther showing deference to the women and listening to them, and like she's, Mm -hmm. like they're all his advisors and stuff like that, and they listen to each other. And um, again, the the fact that they're also flawed, they have their issues, like each of the, like the, the ball chick, um, uh, Michonne from The Walking Dead. Yes. Um, well, and then you have her the husband, way that she. And he's like the weakest character. Oh, fuck that. You guy. know, like he breaks so easy. No, no, no. I think, okay. and you know what? I, no, 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 no. I agree with you, but I think that was a flaw of the writing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get into See, okay. The, the the thing that I loved most about Black Panther, okay, I was going to say the women, and the women are second, Killmonger, first of all, but the women are, are very, very close second. I think there are a lot of issues with the story, none with the women, though. Um, so right. I don't really want to talk about how much of a uh, how, mu- how much Daniel Kaluuya sucked because <laughs> you know, I'm sorry it made no okay. look. Let me just say this: if 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 okay, the, Black Panther and Daniel Kaluuya, they're best friends, right? Mm-hmm. So, if Daniel Kaluuya was up to me and said, "Did you get Claw?" Um, I would have gone and said, 
listen, bro, you won't believe the wildest shit happened. We had Claw. We got him. But then they were bad guys. And I was fighting the bad guys. And then we got into a car chase, man. And then the car blew up. And I was following him on foot. And I was running. And I was fighting so many guys. There were like six cars that I was out running. And I was doing this, that, and the other, man. And then I finally had Claw. And I was going to kill him. But then I realized that people were videotaping. And I'm like, oh, man, this is Wakanda. If I kill this guy in front of all these people, it's going to be a problem. So I got him into this room, right? And right when we were about to kill him, oh man, the wall exploded. Guess what, man? This dude showed up and he had this weird ring and he took Claw and he ran off and I went after him. But guess what, dude? I got shot in the fucking face with a fucking rocket launcher, okay? I got shot in the face with a rocket launcher. So I I could be dead. I should be dead. After I recovered from being hit in the face with an explosive, they were already gone. And then... Daniel Kalua would have been like, oh, man, really? I'm still kind of mad at you. But you know what? You're right. You got shot in the face with a rocket launcher while you were trying to get Claw. I totally understand. And then guess what, Rachel? When Michael B. Jordan shows up with Claw's dead body, he would have been like, oh, wait. You kind of look like that dude that Black Panther told me about that had that ring on his neck. Wait, why do you have dead Claw? Why would you shoot my friend with a rocket launcher and then take Claw and then show up with them dead? You're up to some fuckery. And then that would have been the end of the movie. So, no, I don't like that thing about Daniel Kaluuya. That you know what me... I did like, though? What? The fact that at the beginning of the movie, they make it seem like Claw's going to be the villain. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he, like, dies like a wimp. I did like that. People that were cool. uh, a lot of people were mad. I was like, Claw shouldn't have died so early. He was going to be a big part of the movies. So like, no. I'm pretty sure everybody who said that was white. I'm sorry. <laughs> Why do you want... <laughs> I mean, like, was Claw even that interesting as a villain? No. Like, why did you want him to be around? Because I, I loved... didn't know that he was going to kill Claw. Like, that came out of nowhere. I love that they built Claw up just to have Killmonger, like, kill him. Because what I, I mean... thought was interesting is I thought that Claw was going to be this huge racist who, like, is a racist racist. And he's, like, a racist against black people. And he's, like, a racist villain. But, nah, they just had him get killed by a Killmonger. And Killmonger shows up. So, you know, I did like that. Yeah, I thought... I thought that was really well done. Like, mm-hmm. you know how I was complaining about The Last Jedi? Mm-hmm. How The Last Jedi would lead us up for certain... Um, and so this is what... When people are like, you judge The Last Jedi too harshly. Yeah. Um, and I was watching a YouTube video where mm-hmm. they were like, the reason people don't like The Last Jedi is because they had all these theories on what The Last Jedi was going to be like, mm-hmm. and it just did, wasn't what we thought it was going to be. Yeah. But that's not why you should hate the movie. I'm like, no. I don't like the movie because it's genuinely bad. Yeah. Um, and I think Black Panther solidified my feelings about that because in The Last Jedi, you have these things, these scenes where it's going to lead up to what you think is going to be a certain outcome. And like, then it crashes down those expectations and it's like pulls the rug from under you. And it's not. Panther did that to me a couple of times, but I won't go into that. I I agree with you. Black Panther. Black Panther did that when they uh, shot the car and it exploded. And I was like, did they kill Lupita Nyong'o? But they didn't. But whatever. See, and and then an example of that. But I'm talking about like like big big ones, like the death. No, no, no. You're right. You're right. Right. Or Finn. Or Finn. Because when I'm watching this movie with Finn, I'm like. I don't want them to kill off Finn, but if they actually do kill off Finn, that'll be really ballsy, and I'm finally going to feel something. But no, it right. was a fake out. Or so, with Snoke, you're right, yeah. So I think of Claw's death like Snoke's death, right? They were leading mm-hmm. up to Snoke being this, like, really powerful Sith, reminiscent of mm-hmm. Palpatine, and then he died. But it did, it felt wrong. 
But when Claw died, and basically the same thing, you build up this character like he's going to be the main villain, and then he doesn't. He gets undercut by the person that he thinks is supposed to be subordinate to him. Very similar to The Last Jedi. But in The Black Panther, it makes the story better. And in Star Wars, it feels forced. And it's weird. the exact same situation because Claw showed up in Avengers Age of Ultron and mm-hmm. then Snoke showed up in um, Star Wars The Force Awakens. So I completely see your point. I agree. It, it kind of made sense, you know. Uh, Mike, uh, one question oh, I have is... Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Well, I was going to ask, do you feel like the, the women in Wonder Woman were like sexualized versus Black Panther? No, you know? or, I don't. And you see that, like, with Black Widow, one of the other complaints that I have against her is that she is very sexualized. I mean, That's first, not a complaint. That's just an observation. Um, I mean, like, again, going back to Iron Man 2, when she kind of appears, like, Tony Stark only wants her on his team because she's pretty. You know? Yeah. He only hot. wants her. Right. And then it, it turns out it. that she's also a good, good combatant. Yeah. Right? But, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I don't think that the women in... Um, Wonder Woman were sexualized. Um, I mean, even with um, her attire, right? You know, she's wearing the cloak a lot of the time, um, and they give her a skirt, which, you know, the Wonder Woman that I grew up was basically wearing a um, bathing suit. Yes. Um, So she does actually have more clothing. Um, There is one scene, it's not in Wonder Woman, but it's in the Justice League, where they're Uh panning, and you get, like, this butt shot of her like up her skirt and that was too much for me i was like okay like that was unnecessary but that technically was in the justice league not in wonder woman so in wonder woman itself no well yeah because it was directed by a woman um that's interesting so would you right so so you can definitely tell the difference in wonder woman versus justice league how wonder woman was portrayed um, I feel like she was a stronger character in Wonder Woman, and then when we see her in Justice League, it's almost like it she was retracted, almost like um, Poe in Star Wars, right? You have this strong yeah. character, and then you basically devalue him so you can build him back up again, and 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 I think that's why um, I had problems with it. Like for whatever reason, in Justice League, they felt like they had to tear bring Wonder Woman back down in order to build her up instead of just letting her be a strong character. And that's where the difference is in black Panther. These women were strong characters and the movie made them stronger. You know, Uh, they didn't bring these characters down to build them up. Like you do in wonder woman. She could have started out strong and you could have just built her up, but instead you had to take her down first. Yeah. Who's your favorite um, out of the three then from black Panther out of the three women? Well, the four Angela Bassett again was fantastic. Michonne. Michonne, yeah. yeah. Dude, I just, you know, and, and I just have to say, I get so. Uh, and I love the reason. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the reason. Specifically because she made such a hard decision to be yes. loyal to Wakanda. Like, yeah, you, yeah, because she had to. Yeah, oh, sorry. Continue. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, and, and I think I just like, love what you said. You could tell it was so hard for her, right? She wanted to run off with all the other, her friends, her role models. And, but she, even though, cause they were like, this is the right thing to do. And she's mm-hmm. like, no, this is the right thing to do. And it makes the payoff when she finally like 
hits her spear and is like, Darja Malahe. And then they all, okay, just the scene where they all pull out their spears and attack kill. It just makes that right. payoff when she finally decides to switch so much more rewarding. Right. Um, because there's nothing I love characters being wrong and having to come to terms with that. Or in the fact, and even though she was wrong to us, the audience, she was being honorable. And I loved that. Right. So yeah, my personal favorite is Shuri, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm not just saying that for the before mentioned reasons. Um, I just love the hipster chic thing she had going for she her. Was not even not so not the way fun too. Just the, yes, she was fun. The, the her dressing style, the mm-hmm. her how goofy she was, how smart she was. Um, and, One of the uh, things um, that I loved about her style, and this is something that I mentioned earlier, where, like, she's not being rebellious, you know, she's being her own person, but still being respectful yeah. of her culture. And I think you yeah. see that in her clothing as well. Like, um, yeah. you know, some of the things that she wears and she she's still, like, reminiscent. She's not Americanized. Right. She's not Americanized. It's like a modern like, Afro culture. Yeah, it's like... I think that's Afropunk or Afrofuturism. Whatever, I don't care. It's like she's a hipster for Wakanda. Right. Not American hipster, but like she's like whatever the hipster or Wakandan equivalent right. is. Here's my question. Do you think she's smarter than Tony Stark? Because there's a theory she's going to be Ironheart, a.k.a. take over as Iron Man, which yeah. I think would be cool. But do you think she's smarter than Tony Stark? Not necessarily smarter, but I think she applies herself more than Tony does. I mean, explain. Okay, so throughout the first, most of the first, or yeah, so in the first Iron Man movie, you see him put together um, the original Iron Man suit out of scrap metal, right? Yeah. I mean, he builds Iron Man out of almost literally nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Versus, you know, having. A, a plethora of vibranium at his disposal. But then yeah. you see him come back to the States where he does have resources, you know. I mean, he uh-huh. could build incredible things and he is focusing solely on the Iron Man suit. And you see this in Iron Man 3 where he has built hundreds of Iron Man suits. And like, that's all he does. You know, and he talks about um, in the other movies how the arc reactor wasn't actually successful at producing green energy. It was just kind of for show, but it could have been right. You know, and then mm-hmm. you, I mean, you see that more in the Avengers, right, where he does start to do other things. Like he, I think, if he applied himself, he would be able yeah. to make some really revolutionary things. But he he's narrowly focused. See, I don't think that Shuri is smarter than Iron Man. I think that she's more emotionally intelligent or emotionally mature. Oh, that's and I definitely think, true. So I think that's the case. Uh, the reason why I said that is because a writer went out and said that Shuri was smarter than Iron Man. I'm like, bullshit. That's not the case. I think she can accomplish more. Um, and, and what kind of annoys me, and I don't want to complain too much, is that Black Panther in the Marvel comic books is one of the top 10 smartest people in the world. He's actually smarter than his sister, and he should have been able to do all that stuff on his own. But you know what? If you know, They have a very well-written character who does half the stuff for him, and she's a woman, and she's all of that. So I don't mind too much, you know, yeah. because she's a great character. But I just want to say Black Panther is actually canonically smarter than, you know, he's one of the top 10 smartest people in the world. But, you know, right. it's a movie, so I guess that's different. Um, um. Now, I would, I think, 
uh, it would be interesting to see her and um, Iron Man work together. Because again, yes. I think I think you're right. I think he's smarter, but she's more mature, and that's why mm-hmm. it seems like she's smarter because she applies herself better. Yeah. Um, to her work, um, so it'd be interesting to see them work together because they are two. She does offer a unique perspective. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, I want to wrap this up. We've we've had a good talk. Um, do you, huh? I don't know. I I, I was going to ask you uh, another. Do you feel like as I don't know, this is this is me just grasping for a last question. Um, um, as like a I don't know a white girl or whatever, a white person, a Jewish person. Okay. Um, a uh, whatever. Is there anything about African culture or or anything? Like, what did you take away from this movie that you might not have had as strong? A, uh, you know what? I, do you, am I making sense? Like, did you take anything from this movie because it was a black movie, or did you learn anything from this being a black movie, or not understand something as it being a black movie? Or did you kind of get a full grasp on everything? And the reason why I'm asking that is because a lot of things I hear from black people is like, oh, white people aren't going to understand this movie because of X. Or as a white person, you won't fully understand Killmonger or anything like that. So I guess a better way of asking this question, did you feel a cultural divide from Black Panther because it's a quote unquote black movie? Or did you feel like you more or less got the message? You know what I mean? Like, Well, or... I mean, I feel like the message was pretty clear. I mean, especially mm-hmm. like at the end, right? When mm-hmm. T'Challa gives him the option. Um, and he's like... Just bury me in the ocean. With my ancestors that jumped from the ships. Because they knew death was better than bondage. No... Um, he he's like, I don't want, um, you know, to spend my, the rest of my life basically in slavery. You know, he's like, yeah. I'd rather die, you know, like oh, all my brothers did. with all of my ancestors that jumped off the slave ship. Right, because they knew that death oh, was better Sorry. than, um, because they knew that death was better yeah. than captivity. Bondage. And like, that like hurt, you know, listening to that. And I mm. mean, so I, I, think that it's kind of you can't miss the message yeah now i'm i i'm i can't appreciate it the way that you can um because i i have not been on the other end of that right but i didn't think it's the same way that like i have an appreciation for wonder woman that you would never have yeah and i apologize if i've been like um I don't think I've been doing it. I might have. I haven't been trying to like, I hope I wasn't like saying anything or seeming like I was doing that because I don't think I was, but I hope not. No, I don't think so either. Like, I can't look at T'Challa as a role model, as a superhero, the the same ways that I can look at Wonder Woman as a role model superhero. I mean, just because like, that's the nature. I can relate to her in ways that you can't. You can relate to Black Panther in ways that I can't. Yeah. Um, so I think that, so yes and no, I, I don't think that I can appreciate it the same way, but I think that there are definitely things that I can understand. Um, well, yeah. And, and the reason I ask that is because I feel like 
as a black movie, if you make a movie that, you know, the other side can't really relate to, you're doing it wrong. And that's my opinion. Right. Now, there's stuff that you can't really not understand, but appreciate. But I just wanted to make right. sure that you understood it, because I feel like if you can't understand it, that's a problem now with the movie. But if you can appreciate it, you know, now let me be clear, if you're some racist or like basic, you know, racist white person, and if you don't understand it's your problem, but like, you know, Rachel or other friends I have who are white, who are empathetic, smart people or whatever, they should be able to understand is what I'm saying. Right. There are definitely white people who don't get it. And that's the white person's fault. But if you're an empathetic person capable of understanding themes and movies, you should be able to understand everything about Black Panther. So I just wanted to see if you understood like where they were coming from in the movie, yeah. or if you felt that as a white person, you just wouldn't understand certain things. But what I hear from you is, I understand, I just can't appreciate it on the same level. Right. right? I just wanted to be clear. And I agree, there are things about Wonder Woman that I won't um, appreciate like you can. Um, you know, and there are even things about the um, the women in Black Panther that I can't really um, appreciate uh, like you can. And really, that yeah. goes back to my original point, the reason that I liked the women in Black Panther better. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's how I felt like women should be portrayed. Not that all women have to be badasses, but in the fact that the, these women aren't dependent on anybody else. Um, and that's something that I think I wish Wonder Woman had focused more on is this kind yeah. of so when you watch Justice League at the beginning the Themyscirans try to conquer the villain by themselves and they fail yeah. but somehow yeah. Wonder Woman Batman Superman and Aquaman are able to with just the four of them oh she just thing. needed men she just needed some dicks and to like, help her out to me like I feel like if the women of Themyscira were what they were supposed to be just the Justice League movie should have never happened. Well, because, because and to they just should have point, stopped it themselves. All and the Themyscirans like, are superhuman, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're all like basically demigod. Like they're all like mm-hmm. as guardians again. Same concept. Now, all, none of them are as strong as Wonder Woman is. Yeah, but they're all um, superhuman, is what I'm saying. Right. So it's they're not all like, stronger. They're all faster. Um, they're all smarter. But you've got an army of them. You know, and I feel like if the women of Themyscira were portrayed like the women of Black Panther were, then that that scene should have. It's like it's like the and two more points before I let you go. It's like in World War, the World War One scene where they all stormed the beach and 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 Themyscirans died. You know, remember, they were getting shot Mm -hmm. and stuff. Can you imagine some people rolling up to Wakanda and the Georgia Milaje like dying from like some, you know, Europeans attacking them? Like, right, like, and they're not even superhuman. Like, could you imagine any of them dying? Nah, they would have, like, fucked them up, you know? I There's walked no... away from Black Panther more proud of that movie, and I'm white, than I did walking away from Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Because of, because of the way that the, the characters were portrayed. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say is one thing, and correct me if I'm saying it wrong, one thing that I learned about women from you in this conversation, Rachel, that was really interesting to me that I really didn't really pick up on is how you said um, instead uh, uh, the, the Shuri was independent, mm-hmm. you know, and an amazing person, yes, by she the was. way, the actress. But Shuri, oh, okay. um, Shuri, um, I don't know. I'm just bullshitting again. Um, hang on. Oh, yeah, Shuri was an independent person who was a unique individual, but she didn't rebel 
prove a point in the movie. Like a lot of movies with the women they'll do is they'll have the woman being rebelling against her culture to show she's unique or whatever. But instead, she still operated within the confines of her culture while still being an individual. So instead of having to say, oh, this person is different from her entire culture, just to prove a point about how independent she was, they were able to write her cleverly enough to say that she's a member of this culture, but she's still a strong individual in her own right, which I, you know, I appreciate it. And I think that's what you were saying. Yeah. You can... And going back to Star Wars to connect it all, that's one of the things that I liked about Padme when I did see the original movies. I'm not mm-hmm. in episode three because that was terrible. But... When she died from sadness. <laughs> right. But in episode Or in episode two where Anakin told her that he had committed genocide and she married him. Right. Um, I'm talking about like the Padme that, um, you know, was put in a ring to fight to the death Padme or the Padme that was, you know, not even a teenager leading a country and coming up with ideas on how to make her country better. You know, um, that that same kind of element of she is part of her culture, but she is unique um, and independent because she's not she's not an action woman necessarily she's still a politician and they and you know what i'm giving the prequel trilogy a lot of credit what i'm doing when i say this is assuming this is what the prequel trilogy meant to do instead of what it actually did okay because i hate the prequel trilogy i just want to say that but i feel like what they were trying to do with padme is say this is a woman who's a straight-up politician this is her operating as a politician instead of an action hero you know which i like because it says women don't have to be action heroes you right. know, but she's playing to her strength in the role that she's in. And you can still be a strong female character without having to kick butt, you know, exactly. much like, you know, Sansa Stark in Game of Thrones and stuff like that. And I've, um, I felt that way. And it's one of the things that I admired about Sherry, too, um, is that she I mean, you see her fight a little bit at the end, but she is not a warrior. No, you know? she gets her strength from her intelligence. And so, I mean, all of those things. And then again, going back to Wonder Woman, where you only see them as, like, fighting badasses. And that's, I mean, the, the women of Themyscira, not all of them were like that. Some of them were intelligent intellectuals meant to lead in knowledge. And, and I don't know. I just, I feel like that message was captured more clearly in Black Panther, which is not a, necessarily a w- movie about female empowerment. Yeah. And Wonder Woman should have been. Well, it's even, and last thing, even with Lupita Nyong'o, she was a warrior and a spy, and her whole skill was being a fighter, but her whole, her point in the story was to be a counter-argument to Black Panther, you know? Mm-hmm. That was her point. Yeah, she can fight, but they built her character around being a voice of reason, while, you know, Michonne from The Walking Dead was a warrior, and that was her role to kick butt. Okay. All right, drive it home. All I'm driving home is that I'm going to go ahead and just edit a lot of that so that we won't notice these breaks. But anyway, all I was saying is that the women in uh, Black Panther are awesome. And Rachel pointed that out to me. And I'm really glad that she got more out of uh, out of women from uh, us, uh, our black movies than she did (laughs) from uh, Wonder Woman. Um, (laughs) That's true. So um, I guess that's the end. Um, we're going to have to find something else to talk about. I think next time I want to talk about Lord of the Rings a little bit and okay. about how the Hobbit had no female characters and yeah, right. I don't know. Okay. That was kind of lame. Um, yeah, but no, yeah, it was. 
Um, but yes, Rachel. So I guess next time we're going to talk about like Obi-Wan and the Lord of the Rings TV show and what Rachel, and what Rachel wants from that. And what, is there any, can you tease me with anything else that you would want to talk about superheroes that you would want to talk about? Um, I would like to talk a little bit about infinity war. I don't know how much you know about infinity stones or Thanos. But I would like to talk about that a little bit since the new um, I watched the latest trailer um, last night and I'm really excited about this movie um, and kind of where you think the Marvel Universe is going to go from there. Yes, I'd love to talk about that. All right, Rachel. So I guess we're signing off. Um, All right. Thanks for listening. You can't see, but I am doing a Lando salute. I am also salute. Uh, oh, perfect. Lando. May the force be with you and uh, take it easy.